Our reading this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm reading from verse 6 and 7. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So my disclosure right up front is we're going to learn how God uses cracked pots. And we're all cracked pots. So this truth that we find in Scripture, the Scripture in 2 Corinthians, is something we can all learn from. And I'm talking about myself here this morning too, so please don't get me wrong. I'm including myself in this group too. But there's three truths we're going to talk about today. First, I want to talk about the pots, and those pots are us. Then I'll talk about the power, and that's Jesus in us. And then I want to talk about the paradox. That's the mysterious process God uses to release his power in this world. So first up, the pots. Our humanity is like an empty clay jar. So the word for clay pots is ostrakinos, which literally means earthenware. It's a word used to describe plain, ordinary, run-of-the-mill pots. It's not a very complimentary term, is it? But it's a good analogy of our lives. Because the Bible says in Genesis 2 that when God made man, he formed him out of the dirt or clay of the ground. Now, there are many references in the Bible that speak of God as the master potter and we are the clay. In Isaiah 64, verse 8, we read, We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Now, I've heard that there's a new line of psychoanalysis in California. It's called psychoceramics because it deals with cracked pots. And we're all flawed and cracked in our humanity. And like clay pots in the Old Testament, we're just baked. Some of us only half-baked. Containers made of mud. So say this out loud with me this morning. I want to hear you. I'm clay, but hey, that's okay. I'm clay, but hey, that's okay. God can use clay pots. In John 8 verse 32, Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So here's a liberating truth for you this morning. God didn't create us to be a decoration but to contain something valuable. A pot or a vessel is designed and created to hold something, not to be an object in itself. Consider for a moment the pots in your kitchen. As long as they sit there empty, they really aren't fulfilling the reason they were made. A pot really doesn't truly become a pot until it's holding peas, spaghetti, or soup. In the same way, our lives are a, are con are a contradiction until we understand that God created us to contain something. So I have three clay pot pictures. The first one is a piece of pottery that's been fired, glazed, and then painted. It's pretty enough to be a decoration alone. It calls attention to itself because it is such a pretty pot. Now that reminds me of some people who think they are doing God a favor by just being around. They display their own talents and abilities. But God didn't create you to be a decoration. 
He created you to contain something important. Now the next pot is much plainer than the first one. But it's doing what a pot is really designed to do. It's holding something. In this case, a pot plant. Our attention isn't necessarily drawn to the pot itself, but rather to the plant. Now the third pot is a cracked pot. And we'll talk about that one closer to the end of the message. But for now, we're going to look at the first two. God didn't create you to sit around and look nice and call attention to yourself. Instead, God created you and I to be plain pots to contain something valuable. We sometimes think God doesn't need anything or anyone. But when you understand this truth, you realize that in one sense, God needs empty pots to fill up with his treasure. Some people's pots are already full. We fill our pots with all kinds of things. Some people are full of themselves or full of a greed of money or success. And we fill our pots to overflowing with things that won't matter in a million years. And God can't fill a pot that's already full. God needs empty pots. And there's a great story from the life of Elisha to illustrate this point. In 2 Kings chapter 4, one of Elisha's friends dies, leaving a widow and two young children, boys to be exact. The widow was penniless and the creditors were coming to claim her two sons to be slaves. Elisha asks her, what do you have in your house? And the widow replies, all I have is a small amount of olive oil. Elisha says to her, go round up all the empty jars, all of the empty jars that, jars that you can find. Don't just ask for a few, ask for a lot. Then take all those empty pots and start pouring oil into each one. When one is full, set it aside and keep pouring oil into the next one. So the widow filled up her house with empty clay jars. She started pouring until every jar in the house was filled to the brim. When the last jar was filled, she told her sons to go out and get more empty jars. But there, was no, there were no more to fill. And at that moment, the oil ran out. And when she told Elisha about the miracle, he said, Sell the oil. Pay your debts and live on what is left. I like to say there's a parable in every miracle and there's a miracle in every parable. Now those empty clay jars represent us. And throughout the Old Testament, oil was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. When we present ourselves to God as empty jars, he can fill us with his Holy Spirit. Now I can imagine that the widow wished afterwards that she'd gathered up even more empty jars. And like that day when the oil filled all the empty clay jars, we live in a time when the eyes of the Lord run throughout the earth, looking for people who love him enough to offer their lives to him as an empty vessel that he can fill. The second lesson is Christ lives in us like treasure in a jar. In our text this morning, we read the words, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Now the word translated treasure is thesaurus, just like the thesaurus you find in a library. Inside your thesaurus, we discover a literary and verbal treasure trove of words. And you can't tell a book by its cover, so and you really can't tell a person by their appearance, or you shouldn't. And the plainest, most unlikely clay jars contain the priceless treasure of the life of Jesus Christ. 
The liberating truth that we're learning here is that we can never successfully imitate Jesus, but we can contain and display the life of Christ in us. Christianity is not following a bunch of rules, and it's not trying to imitate Jesus. Trying to imitate Jesus is performance-based religion, and it only produces misery and failure. I love it when people wear the What Would Jesus Do bracelet. Now, I had a purple one when I was growing up. It's a reminder to continually ask themselves the question, what would Jesus do? Then the person wearing the bracelet tries to do what Jesus did. But the question is only valid if you realize that there are human limitations involved in answering it. It can only take you so far. For instance, when you ask the question, what would Jesus do? You assume you know what Jesus would do in any given situation. And I'm not sure if I know what Jesus would do sometimes. He had a way of surprising people and doing just the opposite of what they expected. But the main limitation to WWJD is, even if you knew what Jesus would do, what makes you think you could do what Jesus would do? Let me give you an example. One time Jesus was in a storm. We know what he did. He spoke to the wind and the rain and he said, peace be still. So does that mean the next time you're in a thunderstorm, you should walk out into the wind and the rain, lift up your hand and say, peace be still? I dare you to go ahead and try it. But please don't get struck by lightning. All I'm saying is that Christianity is not about imitating Jesus. It's simply containing the life of Jesus and allowing him to live his life in and through my body and my personality. Maybe we should make a bracelet that says WWJDRM and let it stand for what will Jesus do in me. The focus can't be on the clay jar. It must always be on the treasure within. The Apostle Paul called himself the chief of sinners, yet he wrote the secret to effectiveness. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Just as the second pot contains and presents this beautiful pot plant that we can enjoy, so God made us to contain and to display the wonderful life of Christ. And now to the paradox. God delights in using imperfect vessels. The Bible contains several examples of paradox. Jesus said, in order to live, you've got to die. Another puzzling paradox is that God chooses to use imperfect, flawed, cracked pots. But the reason why God uses imperfect people is seen in the final words of our text this morning. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Unfortunately, in this world, we establish our own pecking order. We tend to place people in social levels based upon their wealth, education, or status. We think we know our place, and we unconsciously place people below us in the social order and a few above us. But the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And I think it's part of God's sense of humor that he often chooses to use the most unlikely candidates to carry out his plan. 
The earliest Christians were called unlearned and ignorant people. Yet God used this ragtag bunch of believers to turn the world upside down. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth to remind them of the kind of people God uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, saying these words, Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. In a way, it's not surprising that God used Billy Graham. We all know that Billy Graham in a genuinely humble, was a genuinely humble man who would never boast of his accomplishments. But naturally speaking, Billy Graham was tall, handsome, he had a powerfully distinctive voice, he had wavy hair and piercing eyes. Billy Graham is educated, sophisticated, and God used him. God just had to work a little bit harder. But the same God who called and used Billy Graham in the 20th century also called and used an overweight, uneducated shoe salesman by the name of Dwight L. Moody in the 19th century. Moody only had a third grade education, and those who heard him speak reported that he murdered the English language. He was never ordained or attended seminary, but God used him in the late 1900s to shake two continents for Christ. It was said he pronounced the word Jerusalem in one syllable. And once, when he was invited to speak to a group of educated clergymen in England, he started his message by saying this, and I quote, these are not my words, these are Moody's words. Don't never think that God don't love you for he do. Moody was a cracked pot, but he was an empty pot who had allowed God to fill him with a priceless treasure of Jesus. As a young man, Moody had heard a preacher named Henry Varley say, it remains to be seen what God will do with a man who gives himself up wholly to God. And on that day, Moody determined to be that man and offered God his life as an empty clay jar to be filled with God's power. And today, over a hundred years after Moody went to heaven, you can go to Chicago and you'll still see the Moody Bible Church, the Moody Publishing House, and the Moody Bible Institute. What a legacy. And here's the final liberating truth. A cracked pot reveals more of God's light. We read that the same God who said, let there be light at creation is the same God who made his light shine in our hearts. A cracked pot allows more light to be seen. Dr. Harry Ansides wrote about this truth. In order for a light to shine out of a vessel, it has to be broken. One may know all about the way of life, and yet never communicate light to others, because that one has never been broken in the presence of God. There's another great story from the Old Testament to illustrate this. In Judges 6, we meet an unlikely candidate to be a leader. His name was Gideon. One day, the angel of the Lord appeared and said, Hi there, mighty warrior. God is with you. Gideon probably swung his head around to see who else was there because he really didn't think the angel would be talking to him. But when the angel told Gideon that God was going to use him to lead the Israelites to kick out the Midianite invaders, Gideon said, you've got the wrong guy. I belong to the weakest of the 12 tribes, 
and my clan is the weakest of the weakest tribe. Besides that, I'm the weakest man in my whole clan. I'm the runt of the litter. But God said, that's great. You're exactly the kind of person I like to use. So Gideon gathered an army of 32,000 soldiers. And God said, "Mm -mm, that's too many. If they win the battle, they'll think they did it by their own military strength instead of by my hand. So Gideon said to them, any of you guys who are afraid to go into battle, just rather head back home. 22,000 left on the spot, leaving Gideon with 10,000. And God said, "Mm -mm, that's still too many. They They might think they're responsible for victory. Let's trim it down again. Gideon told the men to go to a stream and drink water. And God said, every man who gets down and laps water on all fours like a dog, send him home. Keep only the ones who kneel and use their hand to drink. 9,700 of the soldiers lapped the water, leaving Gideon with 300. God said, that's a great number. This way, when you win against overpowering odds, everyone will know it's by my power. So at God's direction, Gideon's band waited until midnight and then quietly surrounded the camp of the Midianites. Each soldier was given an empty clay jar, a torch, and a trumpet. They placed the torch inside the clay jar. At a given signal, all the soldiers blew their trumpets, smashed their jars, and shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. The Midianites awoke in a panic at the sound of the trumpets and breaking jars and shouting. They were so confused that they started fighting one another. Those who weren't killed fled into the night. If I had more time, I'd tell you that there are three elements required for victory. Boldness, brokenness, and brightness. But for now, just notice that the light of the torches wasn't revealed until the clay jars were broken. And that's what God wants to do, to let his light shine through us. And God delights to use broken, flawed, cracked pots, so that he, and he alone, will receive the glory. The message translation of this passage says it so well. If you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. So if you're a cracked pot, don't despair. God delights to use cracked pots. There's a beautiful fable from China that illustrates exactly what I'm trying to share. Once upon a time, there was an elderly Chinese woman who owned two large clay pots. She would hang each pot on the ends of a pole which she carried across her neck. Each day, she would walk from her house to the nearby stream to fetch water. She would fill up both pots, pick up the pole, and walk back to her house. One of the pots had a crack in it, while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full pot of water. At the end of the long walk back to her house, the cracked pot always arrived only half full. Because of the crack, half the water had leaked out during the trek. For two full years, this happened daily. The Chinese woman arrived home with only one and a half pots of water. Of course, the perfect pot was proud that it had never lost a drop of precious water. But the poor cracked pot was ashamed of its imperfection and was miserable. The cracked pot thought of itself as a complete failure. One day, the cracked pot was so tired of failing that it spoke to the woman. The cracked pot said, I'm ashamed of myself because this crack in my side 
causes water to leak out all the way back to your house. I have failed you and I'm sorry. Maybe you need to replace me with another pot that isn't cracked. The old woman smiled and said gently, Did you notice that there are flowers on your side of the path, but not on the other pot's side? I've always known about your floor, so I planted flower seeds on your side. And every day as I've walked back, you've been watering those seeds. For the past two years, I've been able to pick the flowers to decorate my table. Without you being just the way you are, there would have been no beautiful flowers to grace my home. It's okay if you're a cracked pot. Like the clay jars that Gideon and his soldiers broke, there's tremendous value in being broken. We throw away things when they're broken, but God cherishes broken people. God uses broken things. Jesus took the five loaves from the little boy and broke them before he multiplied them. He wants to multiply your effectiveness, but he can only do that when you're broken. When Mary brought the alabaster box, when Mary brought the alabaster box of perfume to Jesus, it was only when it was broken that the fragrance filled the house. And when you're broken, the fragrance of Christ can be detected in your life. Jesus even said the words, this is my body, broken for you. So broken down, cracked pots, rejoice. Because God uses cracked pots so that he and he alone will get the glory. Let us pray. Lord, thank you that our flaws and our imperfections and our cracks let your light shine through. So Father, may we empty ourselves of all the stuff that we carry around that is not from you. May we empty ourselves, Lord, so that we can have more of you in our lives. May your light shine through us so that we can be used for your glory alone. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Please don't leave today if you are needing some prayer. We'd love to pray with you. Visitors, if you joined us for the first time, welcome. We'd love to meet you at the back after the service. We're not going to ask you to do anything. I just want to say hello. So meet us in our Connect Corner after the service. Stay and join us for a cup of tea or coffee. Just enjoy the aircon a little bit longer. <laughs> Otherwise, stay safe. If you've got a swimming pool, please don't forget to put sun cream on. And we'll see you next week. Be blessed. Thanks. Colleen's going to play some music. There's no closing song today. Have a good week. <laughs>